The following is a production of SAK Digital Ventures. Welcome to Cigars and Sports Chicago, a place where you can sit back, relax, smoke a cigar, and talk about Chicago sports. Now, here's your host, Steve Cass. Welcome to Cigars and Sports Chicago, episode 23, the post-hiatus edition. We are back after a month, and by the way, uh, a month passed, but the White Sox still suck, and welcome to this emergency post-game edition. This is your best place for cigars and Chicago sports. Let me set the scene. It is a summer day here in Downers Grove, Illinois. We are at the place, 5236 Main Street in Downers Grove, Illinois. You know what? In the summer, you've got multiple venues here at the place. You can sit up front, you can sit in the back, or you can sit outside in our unbelievable high-end, cushy outdoor furniture, smoke a cigar, the humidor is full, the weather is good, it's Grove Fest this weekend, so you got that going on. Just couldn't be any better. It's the ultimate summer Hangout. You can, of course, find us on Twitter at Cigars and Sports, and you can find this show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts, but you know that because you're listening to a podcast. And uh, why don't we, uh, post-hiatus, make the first introduction of my co-host, as always, Phil Sullivan. He's one less limb in his life right now, but he's uh, he's here. He looks pretty good. Seems to be in a fairly good state of mind. Uh, Phil, how are you doing? What are you smoking? What's, uh, what's going on? Ah, Steve, doing great. As you said, I mentioned uh, going into my third week of recovery from some shoulder surgery. Uh, a little more involved than I thought, uh, but I'm just going to follow the program, and hopefully by the end of the year I'll be back in action again. But uh, going good here, enjoying a little uh, Liga Provada T52 cigar here. And uh, you're, you're right, enjoying a beautiful summer day here in Downers Grove. Yeah, I am smoking a La Flor Dominicana El Jaco Perfecto Number 2. And uh, yeah, it's been a been a few weeks for me as well as uh, and and I think the fact that we haven't done the podcast has been uh, more my fault. I uh, went to India there for a couple of weeks and then I came back and as everyone who goes to India seems to always say, and I thought I had escaped. I have been sick as hell for an entire uh, entire week. Better the last couple days. Uh, I don't know. They call it Montezuma's Revenge. I'm not sure what the hell they call it in uh, in India, but uh, you know it was a great trip. Didn't love the food and have no idea why. I was fine for a day and then came back with 104 fever, but I have recovered and glad to be back. But you know what? No matter what, and by the way, it was kind of one thing that was fun in India is that I did not miss, I, I don't even think one out of White Sox baseball. It was all radio oriented, but it's kind of nice. You know, you wake up, it was 5.30 in the morning, the game started at 5.30. I'd be able to listen almost the whole game before work, you know, getting on the treadmill. It was, you know, it was actually, uh, it was actually really good. The White Sox still suck. You know, if you go back a couple of weeks, as we recap the last couple of weeks, it looked like we were getting a little bit of momentum against Detroit and Tampa Bay and then Toronto. Then we come home, seven-game homestand, and just went 
three, and four after salvaging, and good God, do I mean salvaging, the finale today against Baltimore, four to three, as the White Sox look like they're having a pretty good game today. And by the way, scoring seven runs over those entire four innings. And it looked like they were playing well today. They at least scored a couple of runs. The defense looked pretty good. Things were going fairly well until the ninth inning when Jose Abreu decided that he forgot how to play first base, made two consecutive errors that I mean and they were bad errors. Let's talk about this for me. You you watch the I know we watch most of the game again. You watch the end, yeah. right? I mean, first of all, TA yeah. actually made a great play at you know d- going deep in the hole and then throws the ball to Abreu and he basically drops it like he was like a 7-year-old. Like he just I mean he just drops the ball, and then he dropped the ball in the next play, and then it was all hell and awful. It, it was pretty embarrassing there. And, you know, Dylan Cease had a, a, a masterful performance today. I mean, the guy's got, he had 13 strikeouts. He had one walk. You know, he has far and become the Sox ace pitcher, uh, let alone all-star level performance at this point. I, I, I just think he's... Uh, I just love watching that guy pitch, and he, it would have been a shame to see that go to waste today. But, yeah, leave it to the simple errors. Leave it to, hey, look at these relievers come in. I mean, uh, Kelly allows two hits. Graveman allowed a hit, you know, and a walk. You know, you don't come in when you only got one in and allow a hit and a walk and expect it not to turn into trouble. I mean, they're lucky they got out of it. I mean, Graveman struck out the last two guys, uh, struck out two guys there in the last inning. But, you know, you, you can't come in a relief and allow walks, and you can't allow hits. And once again, they almost blew it, and it would have been a shame for Cease to see that. You game know, it's funny. Out. I saw a statistic during the game today, and I'm not ripping Cease, and he pitched fantastic today, I agree. He, over the last two years, he is the best pitcher in baseball against last-place teams, which I thought was very yeah. interesting. But considering – here's one, one thing that I have figured out with the White Sox, and all the stuff we have to complain about this year, I am not going to complain about things that are going well. I'm not complaining about T.A. I'm not complaining about Andrew Vaughn. I'm not complaining about Cease. I'm at least going to complain about the things that do not work, like Jose Abreu's defense, among many, many other things. Why don't we list a few of those things real quickly? Because I agree with you there. How about third-base coaching? You know, there Joe McEwing is, is absolutely the worst, and every time he gets asked about and by the way, leading the league and runners caught at home by a lot – and every time you know that TLR gets asked about that, he just says we're being aggressive. Isn't there a difference between being aggressive and being stupid? Like, why are you going to send a guy like Abreu or Grandal or you know God Vaughn or Sheets or these guys that can't run? You know, when the ball is already halfway back to the frigging cutoff, man. Like, what? What is going on? I agree that that is like that is a nightmare, and I have I don't ever remember thinking that a team should fire the third base coach, and I literally feel that way. I mean, it's just a joke. It's it's embarrassing. I'll give you, hey, by the way, I'll give you a really quick. I just want to mention this context. I'll give you some things to complain about. The White Sox are. Uh, first in errors, by the way, in the American League. But uh, in Major League Baseball, 23rd in runs, 22nd in OPS, 25th in homers. By the way, they are 30th in homers by left-handed hitters. I'll come back to that one. 22nd in Team ERA, 24th in Team Whip. And, you know, that Sheets home run today was only the 7th 
home run, or excuse me, the 11th home run hit by a left-handed hitter in the White Sox lineup this year, which is the bottom of the barrel, and it's not even close. The White Sox don't have a hitter with 10 home runs. I mean, good God. Yeah, it's, you know, and it's getting so bad where these fans that think, you know, once the Sox come around this year, they've got a lot of weak games coming up. They're not weak games because you got to realize Sox are one of the weak teams now, so they're playing up to par against those weak teams then. Um, you know, the Sox, to get to about 88 or so wins, which I think is what's going to be needed to win this division, are going to have to play approximately, give or take, about 15 games over 500 baseball the rest of the season. I don't see it coming remotely close. And that's to catch up to even, either Cleveland, Minnesota, or both of them. Because both of those teams look like they should be able to cruise to that many wins. Um, this this Sox season, if you want my opinion, is over. This is a lousy baseball team. Lousy. This team is not going to turn nothing around in the next few I months. agree, and I think that in a minute, maybe not right now, we definitely should get to what you do at the trading deadline is we still have a month because this year the trade deadline is pushed back further than it's been in the past. But I think we should we should talk about that. But I think it's really important to talk about the superstar who uh, was sitting there a few minutes ago with his pants open in the uh, in the postgame show, Tony La Russa. And how do you feel about the White Sox new extremely competitive policy of not letting guys run to first base. That the new philosophy is we got to slow it down. No more running. We just want to jog. We don't want to get hurt. We got to rest. We got to walk. We got to just slow it down. How do you feel about that? It's the most unheard of thing I've ever, uh, ever in sports. When I, when I saw that quote, you know, it's obvious they're doing it. I mean, it almost looked like they were to see to know that they're doing it on purpose. I guess that makes it clear. But uh, I've never seen anything like that. And for a team to, that you want to come back and possibly contend for a division and then tell them not to hustle uh, because you might get hurt. And once again, I've gone on with you about these injuries. These guys getting hurt running to first base, they're afraid they're going to get hurt running to first base is it's well, they are going to get hurt. And then, you know, it's so funny because, right. you know, if you've been watching any of the Stanley Cup finals, and it's so funny, it's like, look at the energy that guys playing hockey, particularly in the Stanley Cup finals, expend every second. And then think about the fact that we have to tell baseball players to slow it down running to first base because we are worried they will not be able to get 90 feet down the baseline without getting hurt and being out for a month. There's something going on. There's something with the training. I don't know. Are these guys, did they find a different steroid drug they haven't detected yet and it's, it's working on their soft tissues? I don't know what it is. Uh, it's, I've never seen anything like it in the history of baseball. And I, I do agree with you. Know, we've had some talks regarding this subject that all teams are facing these problems. I don't know if they're all facing them at, at the level the White Sox are. There's something going on with the training. I don't know what it is, but it's embarrassing and it's bad. Well, if you look at it, I mean, basically you would expect it. I mean, the White Sox pretty much suck at everything. I mean, I realize they have like a few players, but I mean, they pretty much 
appear to suck at everything. So why would the training staff be any different than anything else? Look at the history of hiring managers in this thing. Like the last three managers are La Russa, Ricky Renteria, and, and Robin Ventura. I mean, there's like a manager hiring problem. And by the way, all three of those managers have had Daryl Boston and, uh, you know, and Joe McEwing as the first and third base coach. I mean, this is a screwed up organization, man. And they finally had an opportunity to be the best team in town in all sports. And they just can't, they can't do a friggin' damn thing. And, you know, the other thing I thought was great with TLR is how he, when he was talking about Lennon Sosa coming up, he says that even if the guy gets three hits, he probably won't be in the lineup the next day because, you know, he's got to earn his time. And because we have Josh Harrison and he's so great, I really don't know what to say about it. Yeah. How's that for a confidence booster when you bring a guy up out of the minors for his first game and tell him you really, you really don't need him? Uh, and you really you know, don't want him. You really don't even want him. No, and the guy starts off with a double on his first hit in the majors. Kudos to him. That's a great thing. Yeah, this Larusa thing is starting to really get under me. And like, like you said, it, you jokingly made the comment, but it's like, who does this shit? You know, and he has press conferences with his pants undone. Yeah, you know, it, it's it's ridiculous. I mean, I go back to, you know, I go back and people listen to our podcast. You know, last March when I was down in Arizona, and I happened to run into Tony Larusa at midnight coming out of a bar, and I, could, I can't even describe the condition he was in. And I thought to myself, this is pathetic. 78-year-old man, history of problems like that, you know, just getting his season started. What's he like when he shows up at camp the next morning at 8, 9 in the morning? Uh, it's, it's just, he can't get Yeah, this is the guy that the White Sox have put out there as the leader of our organization. Like, we're supposed to believe in this guy. And, oh, my God, you should have heard him in the postgame tonight. Um, and I, we will get clips tomorrow. I mean, he's like, he's hacking. He's got his pants open. He's He can't even remember his train of thought. Every time he got asked a question, he was talking about something else. He's mumbling. I mean, just get, I mean, it's like embarrassing. Like, have a little respect for the guy by putting him out of his misery. I mean, Jesus. God. Yeah, it's it's. I mean, and and here's the thing. I don't like doing this. I don't want to, I don't want to personally attack this guy, but it's like, I mean, good God, there's never been anything like this. And then take, and by the way, and it's not even an age play because take a look at 75 year old Dusty Baker. The guy's basically the best manager in baseball. I mean, that team is killing it right now. They make so many, he, he, he manages that team so well. And if you look at the decision-making and the lineup construction or whatever, that guy is doing a great job. He's evolved, you know, along the way. He is so good. He's so good with guys. And then our guy is just over here hacking around with his pants open. I got another topic. So we get a six-game road trip now starting against the Angels, um, whatever the hell they're called this this year, the LA Angels, Anaheim, the Southern California Angels, I don't know, the Angels, and then San Francisco. So we got six games in seven days. Um, you know, we'll probably lose four or five of those. But interestingly, tomorrow, starting for the White Sox, is Lucas Giolito, who over his last five starts as a 736 ERA and a 188 whip. He just cannot get anybody out. He looks like Dallas Keuchel. And by the way, Dallas Keuchel pitched for the first time for Arizona today. And actually, he looked okay. Like He gave up, I think, three runs over three innings or whatever. But that doesn't matter. But I guess here's my point. 
All right, so Giolito's been terrible. His velocity's down. His spin rate is down. I mean, tomorrow is one hell of an important start, the way the guy's been pitching. And if he goes out there and gets bombed again tomorrow, I mean, I'm not saying you're going to DFA Lucas Giolito, but what do you do? Like, what what do you think, Phil? I mean, what do you do with the guy if he continues to literally not be able to get anyone out? Uh, you know, I don't know. I mean, if we we all remember, but three years ago or so, he was pretty much the worst pitcher in baseball. And, you know, and then he came back, had a couple good years, and now this year, it's a mystery. I don't know. Is it, uh, you know, the substance stuff they started checking on these pitchers, that he's missing some stickum or he's missing something? I don't know what it is. But, yeah, he looks pretty pathetic again this year. And uh, he looks like a mess when they show his facial expressions. He, yeah, I just don't know where the guy, I don't know where the guy's going. But it's just par for this team. It's just so disappointing this summer. This team was supposed to be right up there at the top of baseball. Uh, I was out in Vegas in the spring. They had the Sox rated the number two team to, you know, win the World Series, which I, it's mind-boggling that they had it at that when you watch this team now. But uh, I don't know what to think of this. So team. let's talk about the trading deadline because. What I, I agree with your point earlier that, look, I mean, I realize there's more than half of the season left, but I don't see any reason to think that this team is going to do a hell of a lot better. And even if they were to do somewhat better, win 86, 87, 88 games, somehow miraculously win the division or whatever, I mean, do we really think that this is a championship team? And the answer to that is no. You might be able to make the case that there are things to build around, and I'm not saying that you have to rip every single thing down, but it's interesting because there are some decisions to be made at the deadline, and obviously anyone who you're not going to win with uh, beyond this year, you're going to want to move. You know, I guess my question is, what does that look like? I mean, to me, the easy one is Pollock, meaning, you know, you're gonna you'll get a prospect back for him. The guy's turned out to be a highly competent baseball player. If you need a guy, you know, to to play the corner outfield positions, he's extremely good. The guy's an amazing left fielder. You know, very professional. He's a good hitter. He's. I'm not saying the guy is you know is a world beater, but I'm just saying he's a guy that you want on your team. He's got World Series rings, um, so clearly you're gonna flip him for a prospect. But then you've got other guys like Mancata, the oft-injured Aloy, maybe Lance Lynn. And then here's the interesting one, too, which is, and let's go to this one. I want to get your take on this, Abreu. So Abreu's a free agent after this year. He's 35 years old. He is... He is hitting. He maybe hasn't been hitting quite as well over the last week, you know, as he was previously. But you know, he's got an 800 OPS. Um, he's hitting the ball really hard. If you look at all of his stat cast numbers, there is actually no sign of decline in the way that he is actually hitting the baseball. Even though his numbers are not as good and he hasn't hit as many home runs, it, it appears that he's still viable. He obviously is kind of the face of the franchise, I guess, other than you know than TA, but. If somebody comes to you, you know, with a prospect or two, you know, do you trade Abreu? Because that is clearly something I do think that somebody is definitely going to want him. And I just think that's a decision that you're going to have to make. He is a free agent, so you've got to decide whether you want to re-sign him. I mean, theoretically, you could trade him and still re-sign him, but that doesn't ever happen. So what do you think about Abreu? Would you move him, or would you just, because of who he is, just play out the year and just see what happens in the offseason, or what are your thoughts? 
Yeah, I think Abreu, I would hang on to him. The big mystery to me is what do you do with Robert and Jimenez? Those two guys are just, you talk about a couple disappointments. It's, I, I can't even describe the hype those two players had coming into the White Sox organization and where they thought this team would be with those two guys and the combination of Abreu. You know, two years ago, who knew Anderson was going to play over the tips of his skis like he is now? Uh, if you could have had Robert and Jimenez even remotely playing up to the hype, but those two uh, those two guys are dogs as far as I'm concerned. They get rid of those. In a okay, they're uh, okay. Me. So, but Luis not. Robert is. I understand that you're not happy with him, and I'm not saying that he's setting the world on fire, but he's hitting 294. He's got a 745 OPS. He's driven in 36 runs. You know, he's got seven home runs. He's actually stolen 11 bases. He's playing a gold glove outfield. He's not that bad, meaning, and if he were to get a little bit hot, you know, and had a, you know, 810 or 820 OPS, I mean, he would be one of the better center fielders in the American League. So I know you're mad at him, but I don't think you can just put both of those guys into the same bucket. Now, here's the other thing, too. Both Robert and um, Jimenez are both paid a lot of money. They're both, you know, they both have around an $85 million lifetime contract, basically the way that the White Sox bought him out. Let's, so let's put Robert on the side. I'm not ready to give up on Jimenez, but I do agree that I was I was arguably more excited about him than I was about Robert, and he has done absolutely nothing except get injured. I mean, this guy is now getting injured. Now this guy's getting injured on top of getting injured. Now he can't even complete a rehab assignment because he can't go three days without having sore legs or a bad ankle or a hamstring or you know. So I, I don't know what is with him. But here's the problem. If for no other reason, just because of the money, I don't think you're, you'd be able to... And again, I'm putting Robert on the side. But, I mean, I don't think anybody's going to you know anybody's gonna pick up $80 million of money for him and as the way that that guy's played and the fact that he is never available. Well, I agree with you. That's the, that's the biggest hang-up of it. But I don't think losing either one of those players would derail a possible playoff push a year or two from now. Uh, with some quality players. Well, that's why I disagree. That's why I I tend to disagree because I understand that you're the first guy that says it's not who you get rid of, it's who you replace them with. So I, I got that, and I realize that that's your philosophy. But I just think if you ever have any chance of winning, you're going to, at least one of those guys, you're going to need to get a lot out of them. You know what I mean? Like, what are you going to do? Like, they have, I mean, basically that's two thirds of their outfield. And then the other third of their outfield, arguably, is Pollock. He's not going to be here after this year. And then, you know, I mean, I, I guess, you know, if Vaughn continues to be an outfielder, which he's not a very good one, and it would be nice to get him an opportunity at first base. You know, I, I don't know, but certainly I think everything is on the table. The other guy, too, that I would say that not only if somebody comes with a prospect, a guy who I think they need to look to deal, if anyone wants him, is Yohan Mankata. I mean, the guy came in, huge fanfare, actually had an excellent year in 2019. You know, since then, he has not been good. He cannot he cannot stay on the field. He cannot get on the field. I just don't like his whole vibe. He just seems very, I don't know. He, he just always seems like he's loafing around out there and he's not very happy or engaged or whatever. Mankata 
and and to me, it's not even about who you replace him with. I know we have Berger, and I don't think Berger is a very good third baseman defensively, and I don't think he's probably going to turn out to be a very good player. So I don't know who to replace him with. But would you agree that if somebody would give you anything from Mankata that you get out from under him? Oh, there's no doubt about it. He's, <laughs> I agree with you there. The, that guy, he needs to go. You know, and another subject I wanted to bring up, have you ever seen a team for so many years struggle at trying to figure out the position of catcher. You know, so there's another thing that White Sox got a big problem with, trying to figure out the position of well, catcher. Well, that is actually a very yeah. difficult position a lot of the time. So, I mean, I hear you, and obviously, you know, Grandal has gotten worse as time has gone on, and whenever he comes back, I have no hope for him being any good. Certainly the other two guys that they have are sort of placeholder, sort of backup type guys. Yeah, I agree. I mean, to me, you always need starting pitching. They're going to need, they need at least one left-handed bat, maybe. Well, you wonder, how does this affect the pitchers? You know, with this this carousel of catchers every no, other day, you know, you wonder, you know, does that part of the effect that it, uh, you know it's having on the pitching for the White Sox? No, I agree. I think that's I think that's very fair. And you know, you remember back to when we had McCann a couple of years ago. All the pitchers loved him, and he, you know, they pitched really well. And that was when Giolito came around or whatever. So I don't disagree with you. And if you remember last year, there were guys who didn't like Collins or Zavala, and now he's back. I do actually think that Reese McGuire is a pretty good defensive catcher and the and the advanced metrics would seem to indicate that he is as well. That said, he's a backup. I mean, you know, if you can get two thirty out of him and, you know, put him out there a couple days a week, I mean he's fine. But yeah, I agree that they need better than that. They need left handed hitting. You know, they I need to figure out something with this bullpen thing, but I don't even know that we can think about that. You know, the question is, you know, is Hendricks going to end up having Tommy John or is he going to come back or whatever? I don't know. Clearly, they continue to have defensive lapses. They have no second baseman. I mean, if you think that Lennon Sosa is going to be the second baseman of the future, I guess we can dream about that, but it's not like... He's one of the top 100 prospects. Hopefully, uh, TLR will give him an opportunity to play, and we can see if he's got anything. Yeah, I mean, it's a pretty it's a pretty bad situation. And the problem is, too, is they've got a lot of money tied up in a lot of guys. You know, if you t- take a look at those bullpen guys, you know, uh, Kelly and Graveman, they got a lot of money tied up in them. You know, now you got Hendricks not knowing if he's ever going to pitch again. You got money tied up in him. You still got another $20 million a year after this year tied up in, uh, in Grandal. You know, we talked about the Jimenez and Robert money, and that's good money. That That is actually good money if those guys play better, but it's not looking very much like that. And then you got a couple of options coming up with Mankata that are pretty expensive, so they're pretty locked in. And obviously having the worst you know minor league system in baseball, they have to figure this out. So, Phil, it seems like things are going really well with the White Sox. I think in conclusion, I think that's the conclusion that we've come to. Wow. It's going to be a long summer, uh, let me tell you, because there's certainly nothing else going on. Oh, you did get a little good news on one of your other favorite sports uh, related to Chicago. I noticed a little clip earlier this week. Uh, looks like we might get a little uh, racing uh, down Lakeshore Drive. Yes, it so does appear. We'll see about that. It does appear that there's going to be a NASCAR road race in 2023 in Chicago. We will find out how that goes, and by the next time we get together, we might have more information on that, but it appears to be 
just pending an announcement at this point, but we will, uh, you know, we'll see what happens because the NASCAR schedule is going to need to come out quickly, and that hopefully will be on there. Yes, that should be really, really fun, and uh, look forward to uh, to talking about that. So, very cool. I don't know. I, I don't have much else. There's not much else. All right. Going well, on. here, the final final thing is. Um, so this six-game road trip, we'll reconvene uh, on the back end of that. Um, how many games do you think you're going to win on this six-game uh, West Coast road trip? I'm giving the over of two. Yeah, that's about it. Okay. The the big thing is we'll we'll TLR be the manager when they come. Well, back. I'm still um, looking at the. Uh, I, I still keep looking at the ESPN ticker in the upper right hand corner right now praying that maybe he won't be the manager after today. Um, I don't know. I, I have actually come to the conclusion now that he could shoot somebody on Fifth Avenue, that there's nothing that this guy could do to get himself fired, but I don't know. Um, I'm going to predict the White Sox are going to go 6-0 on this West Coast road trip, come back. TLR will be in contention for manager of the year. There will only be a couple games out, um, and then the schedule softens. So I think based on all the analysis that we just did, that no question the White Sox are going to go and, and win the division and think are going to be great so all right phil it's been fun talk to you soon thank you you have done an excellent job thank you bear talk to you next time talk to you out sweet blossom come on under the willow we can have high times if you look back we can discover the wonders of nature Rolling in the rushes down by the riverside.